Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Football fans, welcome to Footy Prime, the podcast. At some point in the very near future, to be renamed the Footy Garage. We don't know when. Who knows? At some point within this current wave of a pandemic, maybe not. Maybe the next wave. Maybe wave five. Who knows? I'm fatigued. Are you fatigued? Thank Christ these arseholes beside me, virtually. Without them, I might be killing people today. Dan Wong's here on keyboards, getting hammered on wine, looking very sophisticated. Hey, Dan. Hi, James. Glad to be here. We have, we have, I think it's Danny Dicchio, but he looks more like a young Phil Collins from No Jackets Required. Hi. Circa 19, what is that, 80, 87, 88? in the air tonight. <laughs> we didn't pay for the licensing for that. Take it easy with the copyright. The lyrics and the music totally wrong there. <laughs> is that the wrong song? It may well have been. <laughs> that's Craig Forrest and that was Brendan Dunlop but if you think about it Deitch doesn't look a little bit like like a stretched out Phil Collins you know Phil's like short and stout and bald Deitch is tall and thin and bald yeah. has hey. Deitch ever played Phil Collins in his DJ sets yes I have wow I that song in the air tonight all right okay fellas I... Uh, I need you to guess how tall Phil Collins is five foot one Five, five, one. five, five, five. You say five, five, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with five, eight, guys. So he says he's one point six eight, which equals that's ten centimeters shorter than me. So four, he's five seven. Oh. He says, but that's a lie. He, five, he looks much yeah. shorter. That's a lie. No chance. I wonder that with uh, Toronto FC's new designated player signing, Jefferson Soteldo, he's listed at five foot two. Does that mean he's four foot ten? Well, a good day. We'll see. We'll see when he uh, comes into town. Well, he's in. Well, they, 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 they could sure have used him on Wednesday. Hey, guys. <laughs> yes, they could have. Or was it Tuesday? I forget. I don't think really... he uh, changed much, guys. No, no. Is it is it controversial to say that that Phil Collins solo was better than Genesis? A hundred percent. It's controversial, or is no. it true? You believe it? You hundred percent true. Yeah, yeah, I kind of agree with that as well. Him with Genesis or Genesis just? Oh, I see. You're saying I, I was thinking no, no, like Genesis overall, with or without Phil Collins. Mm. Well, it was more popular, that's for sure. I think. Yeah. Well, what about Peter Gabriel? That's what I mean. 
He was more popular after he left Genesis. Maybe Genesis Pico. is going to be Pico. You know, a great song. Stephen Pico. Yeah. Anti-apartheid campaigner. Legend. Unless these guys played in England's midfield in the 1966 <laughs> World Cup, it is irrelevant to me. Stephen Biko sounds like some some fullback from some you know era, doesn't he? Ipswich Town for sure. Yeah, yeah. Mid 70s, Ipswich Town, right back Stephen Biko. It, it works well. Um, I, I doubt he would have made the Hall of Fame, guys. The Premier League Hall of Fame, which uh, gave its initial inductees their little plucks. This week. Now, it should have been Ryan Giggs, but Ryan is having some legal issues, which will prevent him from uh, taking charge of Wales during the this summer's Euro. So instead, Thierry Henry took his place, along with Alan Shearer, in the, the inaugural Premier League Hall of Fame, which the fans vote on, which to me raises the real flags here. Now, there is an English Football Hall of Fame, fame very separate entirely. But what do you make of this Premier League Hall of Fame? Do you like the concept of Hall of Fames? It's a very American thing. But in football, a couple of Premier League players here, do you, do you think we, we do need one for that league? I think it's a great idea. Great. Why not? Deitch, why not? You look angry. Oh, I just I think it's very American. I don't think it's needed. Like... Guys that we know that were top, top players were top, top players. I don't think they need to be honoured or like... I was a little bit embarrassed to have my name on the wall of honour at uh, TFC, but that's something that the club like to do over here. I'm not used to it, but um, I think in England and the Premier League in general has become very Americanized, whether it be marketing, branding, and I just feel these players are legends already, and I think it's going to cause even more of an uproar like it has this week when certain players are not nominated at a certain week or a certain month or a certain time. Before. But isn't that the whole point, though, these kind of things, though, that, that debate and that argument? You know, it fills the airwaves. People love a list, right? And how dare it, you know, Henri get on that list, but Roy King wasn't there to start things off. You know, that kind of just debate. Isn't that a good thing, B? It's not about honoring the greats, then. It's just about creating content, you say, Sharms. Yeah, 100%. As a content creator, I can under- his life. <laughs> I can understand why Deech isn't a fan of it and why you were found uncomfortable by the Wall of Honor and having your number up there in Toronto. But I think from the Premier League standpoint, and yes, obviously Hall of Fames are a very American thing, but I think what it does in North America is it unites a new generation with the past and they can connect in ways with you know, either their parents or you know other previous generations and, and have this understanding, I think, and an appreciation. It gives a, a, a credibility to days that were long before them. Um, that's how I felt about you know, Hockey Hall of Famers. Any Hockey Hall of Famer that my dad talked about and whether they played for the Leafs or not, you know, immediately to me, there was this huge credibility, even though I was watching future Hall of Famers, Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, guys like that. So I think it's a kind of a cool way of connecting generations. I think so too. And and, and outside of the clubs, I mean, I know Ipswich Town, uh, they started a Hall of Fame as well. But outside of the individual clubs and being legends of them, each they, you got a situation where you know Dunny's right, where you get recognized as a league, you know, a, a, as a group, um, and reminds people of what they did as well as like. Brendan says about inspiring new generations and seeing these players and what they actually did back in those days that maybe people forgot about. And there's going to yeah. always going to be a debate about certain, there's going to be some undebatable. I mean, Henri and uh, there's no uh, debate that he should be in the hall of fame. 
No, I, I agree with that. I just, it's, it's something that I'm not used to. It's something you guys have been brought up with. And I totally understand that aspect of it. But for me, and you know what it's like in in, uh, in England and, and in Britain, Craig, you kind of get forgotten about as soon as you've left the club. And it's only the real supporters of those clubs that remember you and with social media now and, and, and video from, from back in the day, they can remember. So maybe it is a good idea. It's just my, my opinion that I'm not used to it and I feel a little bit uncomfortable with it. I feel even more uncomfortable with the Premier League doing it rather than individual clubs doing it. You know what I find, though, interesting is that so I've been here for 31 years now and in my mind, even to this day, England is still the same now as it was 31 years ago. And it, the truth of the matter is it isn't. It's changed so much in so many regards. So when I go back there now, I'll speak to friends or family back there, and I'm kind of talking to them as if it's still 1990 England. They're, they're saying, what are you talking about? You know, we, we, we've changed since then. So, so Deech, what I say to you is, is it possible that in 2007, when you left England, back in then it wouldn't have been accepted like perhaps it has done now 10, 11, 12 years later? Maybe, maybe. I also know the English people, and they're a grumpy bunch of... Uh... <laughs> gents and ladies and if they feel that they're being their legs being pulled or they're having to shell out money for some unknown reason then they won't buy into it but i i honestly do feel it's a good thing to to kind of collaborate and remember ex-players they've done it with qpr where they've kind of set up this qpr club for for players alumni as you would call it over here and i think ipswich have done the same thing craig so I think that's a good thing. I just do not know how much the the fans buy into it generally. Danny, it's, you've been you've been away from the game for a while enough. Could you analyze where your game was when you played for TFC? Maybe that's part of the part of the issue for you. Were you, you know, if you were at 10 while you were playing at QPR, where what mm-hmm. what was your number when you were playing out of 10 at TFC and maybe that's what you're not com- comfortable with? I don't know if I fully understand the question. But great, great, rate your your ability as a footballer. So say at your best you were 10, say, just as a number, as the, as the high point in your career, you were a 10. What, when you came yeah. to TFC, where were you in your, your player tra- trajectory? Well, first of all, I was never a 10. <laughs> for, the sake of, for the sake of argument, give us some kind of context here. The best you ever nine. were. The best You're you 10. were. We're all 10s in our own little, uh, you know, mediocrity. Uh, I couldn't even give you that content. I think if I was being honest, when I came to TFC, I was probably uh, five to six with confidence. But then once I actually joined TFC and (laughs) enjoying my football again and scoring goals, I was probably back up to around a seven or eight. So it changes. Craig will tell you game by game, year by year, on how you feel about yourself, how you're perceived, how you're actually performing as well. I think what was your peak, Craig? I think what Wonger actually meant was that if you were if you were put into the Toronto FC Wall of Fame because you scored three thousand goals in five hundred games, would that be different? Thank you, Craig, for for translating for me, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to be just being a hammer thrower at the end of your career. <laughs> I would still always want to be a hammer for her. <laughs> you were a hammer, Greg. Was that your best football? Hammer, yeah. 
was that your best football? Like, what was your peak? When were you at your very, very best? Do you remember a specific season? If if not, you know, stretch of games. When were you ten? When was Craig Forrest ten? My ten? Yeah, your ten. <laughs> uh, I would say between ninety-five and two thousand, like that sort of. Yeah. Like culminating with the Gold Cup. Yeah. Yeah, and the, yeah, the Confed Cup. I think I felt as good as I'd ever, ever felt at that point. I think it, that, it, a lot goes into it as well, and age was a big factor. I remember being, seems like yesterday, being the youngest guy, and then everybody talking about, oh, you, what you'll feel like and the differences when you get experience and all that. But it's true. You, you know, it's not even so much the experiences in football. It's like life experiences and ups and downs and, and trying to deal with those types of things. And especially in football being a roller coaster of emotions, it was, uh, it took years to get used to that. So it's like comfort level of being happy in your own skin on and off the field basically meant that you were at your very best on the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I felt, I felt better actually. If I, if I was a first year of a three-year contract, I would have actually felt better and probably played better than I would have done at the, in the last year of the contract when some guys, you know, try to play better. I mean, I guess it's different for a goalkeeper than it would be a striker, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, some differences. We'll get, we'll get into confidence you? surely, but that leads well into it. Go ahead. Teach. How about you and uh, you and Danny charms? When can we, uh, well, let when me say... You, when did you feel your best? When, when were you at your top? Let me put it this way. When I reach my peak, I'll let you know. Because, <laughs> uh, Christ, if I've had it already as a broadcaster, dear God. I never yeah. had the big confidence. That's the thing, I think. Never had great confidence. You know when you had a good show, though, AB. You know how you, how you just felt and so when you had a good show. And, yeah. And the bad shows never quite as bad as perhaps you thought they were. But when you had a good show, the rest of the show could have been crap. But if I felt good about what I did... I was happy, you know, right. Dickie or, or Craig or, or KJ or, or Dunlop or Brian Budd or PJ could have been useless. But if I had a good show, that's all that mattered. <laughs> yeah, that's how we go to bed at night and still wake up the next day. That was definitely how we'll get through a lot of those shows for sure. Uh, I'm also with you that if my best days in television are behind me, then, oh, God, the future looks really glum. It's really, really now be this, oh, yeah. this here, this right now is me at my very, very best. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Smoke on yeah, yeah. It's a bit of Vaseline, a bit, a bit of Vaseline on the lens there. Yeah, it does look like. Did you just have a shower in that room there? Because it's all um, fogged up like a mirror. Is it really? It's not, it's not the room. It's just a, uh, there. We go. How's that? Is that better? It was grime on the camera. Yeah, you just right. I've been wipe the it's, slime it's been open in the it. kitchen all day. This thing. It's probably covered in flour and lard. <laughs> lard for sure. Oh, how our how our lives have changed. We were just talking about the glamour of television, our five thousand dollars suits and fifty thousand dollars broadcasts. You know, to just yeah, to remember get those satellite. days going going shopping with the stylist and getting those lovely suits. Oh, I think I've really made it now, man. My how many did set. you get? How many free Six suits later. a year? What was it? You, I'm sure B had more than Craig and Danny and myself. I, I remember the day, very so. first time that I went for a fitting, or I guess it was. That, that first cycle anyway, because uh, Deech had come on a few days later. But I think Deech and I went to pick up at the same time, or one of us went to pick it, pick up the stash, and Deech hands me mine or sees mine and says, what the hell, Dunny? Like, you got three suits and three shirts. I got one suit and two shirts. And the stylist heard it and said, well, look how big you are. And I guess it was the same, it cost the same price to make, uh, to make the same material. Suits. Yeah. Yeah, same supply costs. 
Do suits get? Do you pay suits per square inch? Is that how it works? I think it's based on material usage. Yeah, but it's style. It's style. I think style is a big difference. You- is that why so many so many anchors are small? Oh, good point. So the, the networks can save money? I often joke there was a couple of aspiring anchors that had very broad shoulders, and I said, look, that's working against you. This place, you're never going to get on air. You're, shoulder, you're, you're like a fridge <laughs> with legs. You think they're going to pay for that? Hey, the best one was at the score because there were no suits, right? But you had a decent clothing budget, and you'd literally go shopping with Amy Lou, our stylist, and hit the Eden Center, and you just yeah. shop there all day and just go into whatever store you wanted. I want this and this and this and this and this, and there'd be things that you wear anyway. It was brilliant. Right. James Sharman, brought to you by Zara. <laughs> I got a lot of Zara stuff, actually. Hey, they Zara's must got some saved, good stuff. They must have saved a lot of money on Jerry Dobson suits then. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Jerry was there for 25 years, so that maybe over the course of the uh, time it equaled out, but <laughs> less square footage, that's for sure. I missed that All part. Right, so- but then again, we'd have nowhere to wear these fine clothes right now, so... They Did you take some suits back dust. with you? Did you keep some suits when you left? I definitely got a few suits, yeah. Do you know which one you're going to be buried in? Good point. I'm hoping that by that point I won't fit and it'll be out of style. But mm-hmm. uh, but there's definitely a nice one that if, if that moment came far sooner than I want, sooner than I want, yeah, I know which one I'd pick. It's got some claret and some blue in it. How would you, you know your burial, burial suit, Craig? <laughs> Danny, how would you want your hair done? Oh, that's a real question, you know? Better than it is right now, I think. I'm I'm halfway between, like, you know, uh, Quebec major junior league hockey player who's like 24, still hoping to get drafted, and uh, someone in the set of, yeah, that's trying to be a manager at 30, 35, 36. And the dude. <laughs> so we're kind of conflicted here in the Hall of Fame. The, my, my, issue, my issue with the Premier League one is that the fans are going to vote for this thing, and generally when you give fans any kind of power, they're going to screw it up somehow. Because they're, they're not thinking without that one-eyed fan viewpoint, right? The English Football Hall of which I didn't even know was a thing until I researched a bit today, have like a committee of football people who decide, which isn't always the best way either. But I don't know, giving, uh, giving fans too much power, not the greatest well, what, idea. How would you world. make it fair then? Would it be a committee? Would you want a voting committee? I, really, I mean, I'm a, I'm a bit... I mean, I understand... In North America, it works, but I'm a bit with Deitch that I don't really understand. Even individual awards in general, I don't particularly like, right? It's such a team sport, but it was a way to celebrate the best of the best. That's fine. But the trouble is, in North American Hall of Fames, anyone gets in these days outside of, I think NFL is a pretty good one, I think, if I'm, unless I'm wrong. Fair um, measurement. It, yeah. But um, a lot of these, like NHL, you know, if you if played enough, enough games, you're going to get into the Hall of Fame at some point, right? I think Craig Forrest is the only one of us in the Canadian Broadcast Hall of Fame. Am I right? I'm not in the Canada Broadcast Hall of Fame. Uh, are you not? It's Didn't that happen Hall a few years ago? I didn't even know there was one. Oh, there is, yeah. And well, which is you... ridiculous, by the way. That is ridiculous. A Broadcast Hall of Fame? Self-important dickheads. Is it run by the CBC? Uh, I think it's run by the gov- well, the government. I think it's uh, probably uh, Telefilm Canada. It's the under one of those. So our brands. taxpayers' money is going towards a broadcaster's hall of fame. That can't be true. Tell yeah, me, that's so not you, true. So you can remember, you know, Graham Leggett and Vic Router and all of these legends and all of, every single boss that we ever had definitely has themselves in there. Wow, I'm it's sure like the Oscars giving a pat on the back, you know, in their own little industry. You know, it's just pointless. Did you watch the Oscars Sunday night? Oh God, no. No, not at all. I never watched the, I never watched the Oscars. Wonger? No, I don't. I don't watch wow. the Oscars unless my movie that I produced is in it. I'm not going to watch it. 
So maybe once Fair. in my lifetime. That's the point. Racist, eh, Dan? Racist. All racists. Them and the Golden Globes. Come on, man. Yeah. At least Ricky Gervais hosts the Golden Globes. And they're amusing to watch that. That's the only reason yeah. to watch her. That's what was missing this Sunday. You're right. It was they needed a, a British comedian that could really take the piss out of everything. Hey, Craig, how, how did you find out about getting into the Sports Hall of Fame? Was it just a was it a phone call? Was it? Do you find out through Sportsnet? What? Oh, it was uh, one of the guys on the board that uh, contacted me through email to give him a call. Never knew who that person was. I think they it was a. Uh, director of TV bank or something that did it on the side, but what they do in the Canada sports hall of fame, um, which is probably a good idea. Maybe in the premier league one down the road is once it's established is to have people that are in it be the ones that decide who they'll bring in. So the actual sports people that have been put in, they will spend a certain, not everybody, but those certain people after I think five years of being put into the Canada Sports Hall of Fame, then you're able to be part of a, a select committee for another right. five years. And that would change over again. So it doesn't stay the same all the time. I think that's probably the best and fairest way to do it. You're being recognized from your peers more than anything else. So Sharms, what about criteria? I mean, is it... You know, we go back to the, if you want to think baseball right now, they're talking about Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, all those guys who are roiding up during that time, not being in the Baseball Hall of Fame. But are you then choosing people that were friendly, got along with people? Are you are you picking the best players? It shouldn't you know, be that's subjective what, to me. Yeah. I, I think it should be almost 90% based on hard numbers. Yeah. Really. Um, I don't care if you're a nice guy or an asshole. If your numbers are good enough, like Barry Bonds, hasn't got. I know it's a part of the, the steroid issue, right? But his numbers, even before the Roy era, were just astronomical. Mm-hmm. Right? He probably should be in there. Yeah, They make a decision to try to get an advantage over other guys who are thinking, "No, I'm going to do this fairly and play fairly." Well, yeah. and they get caught down the road. I don't care what their numbers were before. They're juicing. They're, they're like cheats. That. Okay. They're cheats. But, but that's interesting from, from an athlete standpoint, right? Because we're, we're, we're looking at it from, a, from the outside, looking at it from a fan standpoint. Yeah, give, give Bonds credit for what he did before. But as a, as a professional athlete yourself in Deitch, you probably do take it more personally when you see guys who are cheating, not necessarily in your particular sport, but in any sport. If you knew, if you knew that a footballer who you were competing against every single week in and week out was trying something you know, that was against the rules, contravening the rules, personally then perhaps Wonga or myself or, or Dunlop would. Yes. <laughs> I can't tell if we've lost you there, Deech, if you if all of our Hall of Fame talk has put you to sleep because you've already made your piece. You're like, I've been to the museum in Manchester, that's good enough for me. Were, 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 were drugs an issue at all in your playing days? Like performance enhancing drugs? It's a different kind of sport I know compared to, you know, baseball and other types of sports, but not performance enhancing drugs anyway. Yeah, right. <laughs> Social, recreational drugs. <laughs> recreational pharmaceuticals were doing really well, I'm sure. Yeah, we didn't really see a lot of performance-enhancing drugs, uh, certainly from guys. You never heard of certain people talking about it. Um, I did hear later on, I won't even mention their names, in the national team, somebody that was uh, 
using something that would have been technically illegal for pain, but could not operate and play uh, without it and was willing to risk, you know, getting kicked out of football for it. What, 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 was that? what drug was that? I can't remember, but it would have been some sort of hard painkiller or something like that. Numbing right, device. Right. There just there's a there's a, there's hundreds of drugs that are illegal. There's over the counter drugs that you have to be very careful with. You're talking about this all the time from your club. Remember, Deep they would say, you know, be careful what will you take. Even some of those day nurse and night nurse things that were stimulants can't take them. Other remember the Dutch. The Dutch team guys, the Dutch team that got banned from qualifying, or they've got that they got dock points in an international qualifying cycle and didn't make a tournament because Edgar Davids and quite a few guys had uh, been nicked for blood doping. I know Davids was, yeah, for sure. Um, I think Pavel Nedved was it? It wasn't Juve, was it? There's a bunch of players from Juve though at one point were, were embroiled in some controversy. Yeah, they're always embroiled in controversy. Yeah, it seems that way. Diego Maradona as well, guys at the World Cup. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, the more na- nowadays, fast forward to 2021, Deitch. I mean, there's a more. I'm not saying uh, guys are doing them, but are there more options for athletes to to take you know a pill to to enhance their performance or the recovery at least? I've always kind of wondered about what pill you could possibly take to really enhance your your performance in soccer. It's different than baseball. It's different than than other sports. And obviously, there is some some enhancing drugs that I know that the Russians were known for it back in Europe, back in the day where teams were going to Russia and you just, they couldn't win games. Like they were just so powerful at home, but this is when drug testing was not involved in, in European, European games or European qualifying UEFA. And you just kind of think, okay, what are these guys taking? Are they taking drugs that, enhance them physically like athletically or is it an actual game kind of stimulant that is going to really make them high or make them like really focus for that game so i think there's definitely those performance enhancing drugs or whatever tablets you're calling them but i i just i still can't i i can't believe that certain players would take something before a game craig and Mm. think that it would really enhance their performance because well, I think it would depend on the individual and what they were looking for. If you're looking for strength, obviously, and a steroid would You'd be on a program. <clears throat> I understand that, but, but say you're taking something that would actually be completely mood changing. It gives you something that makes you feel like Superman, which is, I think, what Maradona did, in, you know, uh, throughout his life, on and off the pitch. <laughs> like, right? Yeah, that was the whole so feeling. Well, he had a cocaine addiction, and it's a little bit different. And he's actually came out and said, I would never ever take cocaine before a game because if anyone's taking cocaine, the last thing you want to take before entering a game of football is cocaine. So he admits he had a cocaine problem, but he he never took any of that supposedly before a game. Supposedly. He was taking other stuff that um, a trainer or whoever it was in, in the USA World Cup said or they thought was legal. Um, but it actually wasn't. And whether that was for an injury or for a mood changing thing, who knows? But I agree with Craig. Like, I, I just don't understand players themselves that would take a mood changing drug to help them during a, a game of 90 minutes where your focus, concentration, 
your tactical understanding of the game needs to be so astute that you would take something to try and enhance your performance. But who knows? There's guys out there that would would try to, you know, they're coming towards the end of their contract, Greg, or they haven't scored a goal in in 20 games. So they're going to try anything maybe to possibly change that. Yeah. Well, if you got something that, you know, if you're struggling, say you're an older player and you're struggling physically to get through 90 minutes, you know, you're, you felt good for 60, but you're unable to finish 90. You're taking something to be able to get you through that, to give you some longevity, get you a new contract. Are smelling salts a thing? Smelling salts? Yeah. yeah. I mean, smelling salts aren't illegal. They're just a, they're, they're, there's nothing to it other than it just fires up your nose and it's just, <laughs> yeah. So just never never seen it. It doesn't seem visually as prominent in football, in ice hockey. You see in hockey, you know, a lot on the bench, right? I guess if you want to try and prolong your, your game time and your game energy, ephedrine, not ephedrine, Cialis might be the best way to go, I guess. From, if you believe the the commercials, I put on my Facebook every day for some reason. Don't know why, but they do. <laughs> I, rem- I remember when Wenger came into the country as well, and he changed a lot of the way footballers thought about their their pre-game stuff, their training, their aftercare, and creatine was a massive kind of influx of yeah, creatine of use to players. And everyone started thinking, wow, this is this is the new way forward. We've got to take creatine tablets or we've got to start putting it in our shakes or our drinks and stuff like that. And I know that was one thing that was keenly looked at by the Premier League and by people to say, is this a, a performance enhancing? Is this illegal? But uh, it was all. It's, I think it's still in effect nowadays. Players. Yeah, creatine's weird because I remember back in the nineties, it was really popular with anyone in their twenties who was you know lifting weights because you mm-hmm. take some creatine and you look bigger quickly. And and mainly it's because you were retaining more water, so you yeah. weren't cut as much. But for idiots like myself, for example, I thought, oh man, I can look much better by you know taking a couple of creatine pills before working out, and it really was a muscle at all. It was just, you know, water retention, but I'm sure there's more science to just that. I remember a thing called an ACE stack. It was um, aspirin, um, caffeine pill, and ephedrine. And I did that a couple of times before take, before playing rugby, me and my teammates. And you'd hit the field and you'd be just fucking, ah! you'd be flying around the field, smashing everything. You'd be feeling great. But then half time hit. And, you, you know, you take your 10 minutes and you'd get your breath back. And then the second half, you just collapse. You'd be just so exhausted. It would wear off so quickly. It's probably really bad for you, but not illegal. Nothing illegal about it. But the thing is you take to get that slightest edge, and that's freaking the most amateurish, you know, level of sport you can imagine. Because imagine you know, the temptations playing professional sports and all the purveyors of this stuff wandering around the rooms and trying to connect with the players and say, hey, try this, try that. Perhaps not so much in football, because you're right, it's more of a um, an endurance sport as opposed to just pure speed and power like other sports, be it sprinting, track and field, lifting, you can get more responses, right? But you, you wonder the temptations, uh, you know, nowadays guys get that magic pull, right? Wasn't that all the, the, the Olympic um, anonymous poll was if you could take a magic pill that would guarantee you a gold medal, but it would take 20 years off your life, would you take it? And like something like 80% of Olympians said, yeah, would take it. Wow. That was their, their, the desire to win that gold medal was such... If you had told Craig you know, 50, 30 years ago now that you take this pill, you win a World Cup with Canada, but you're going to take 20 years off your life, would you have considered it? I think I did. I think I did sell my soul. 
<laughs> Where's the World Cup medal for Christ's sake? Yeah, the Gold Cup. The World Cup, Craig, not Gold Cup. Well, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. You got to be somewhat realistic here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I wanted to play in the top in the top league in the world. That's basically what I was mm. my biggest goal. Premier League footballer. Yeah. So you're you're 53 now, 54, right? So 20 years off your life. So when's the big day coming? You better pick your suit out. <laughs> well, hey, tell us, tell us I'm more about this meeting. Torture. I'm in the torture section of the. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What's going on in my life? The self reflection and loathing. Yeah, they're not going to let me do it quickly. <laughs> it's going to be a slow oh. death. <laughs> Just poor tell us lifestyle more about choices. Your no, I wouldn't. Tell us more. I wouldn't. About your I, wouldn't I wouldn't. I wouldn't be that. I'm not that. Sort no, I wouldn't sell. I wouldn't do it for a World Cup to lose twenty years, unless I was going to live to a hundred and five, and that'd be eighty-five. I'll take that. Yeah, <laughs> you still a mess though. Only eighty-five, really. <laughs> what about you, Ditch? Would you take that pill to win the World Cup with England, lifting oh. the Jules Rimet Trophy over oh, your over your bald noggin? Yeah, done. I'm, I'm <laughs> no problem. Not even thinking about it. Now, Wonga, you won a Vanier Cup, right? Oh, yeah, that was my dream come true. <laughs> was, that, was that you sold your soul to the devil for Dude, the Vanier I, Cup? We've, we've talked about this. I was the, out of the 40 players in the Vanier Cup on my team, I was number 28 out of the 40. I got to play a lot for the 28th player. My best I ever was was probably like the top 15 players there was always guys who were better stronger i was just a guy who enjoyed i knew my top level was always going to be college football so i told my ex-wife one of the reasons why i'm divorced right now is i told her i'm not peaking till i'm 55 55 is a good number next year and then my once i get to the top that's my 10 so nine at 60 maybe it'll go a little faster i still could be amazing at you know, 79, 80. It could be, but I mean, it could be in a pandemic still. And so who cares at that wow. point? That's why I bought the four bottles of wine. <laughs> what the hell? I mean, could you take, take a picture of this and put it on, on Twitter? Your hair is out of control right now, by the way. Out of control. What is going on? Let me take a picture. There we go. I wore a hat all day. <laughs> you look like, like the Asian Robert Smith. I Literally, <laughs> I was, I was uh, going to be, I was doing a front, I was doing a cover for uh, The Cure. I was going to say Neymar. He looks like an Asian Neymar with glasses. All right, listen, we're almost out of time for this first uh, part. So uh, we'll continue this theme, though. Confidence is what I want to get into a little bit here. And if you're not taking a pill, because we know certain pills can really help confidence, but from a sporting stratosphere, what is confidence and how fragile is it? Welcome back to part two. And the conversation continues about Wonga's hair. Um, Randy on Twitter, after someone someone posted a picture on Twitter of Wonga's hair, some bastard, Randy Pepler, um, long-term listener, uh, didn't anyone ever tell him he shouldn't stick appendages into electrical outlets? Wonga, what have you been doing? Uh, dudes, it's been a weird time. I'm humping a lot of different things around the house. <laughs> you know, that's probably the, uh, the, the forgotten victims of this pandemic have been the... Uh, Various household objects. Inanimate objects around my house are getting 
assaulted physically. Sexually. Wait a second. The reason that you're the biggest purchaser of Charmin's proper pies is not to eat them? Hey, hey, no American pie reference here. Okay? The torch air, the torch air is my girlfriend right now. I can't even say a word to follow that up because that is offensive to my chef's hard work. I still All eat right. it after sharps. We 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 no oh, Jesus Christ. We must get back to the football now. If ever there's time to get back to the football, it's right now, Wonga. Thank you. You've been hanging around with Nigel too much, Wonga. Come on. <laughs> Nigel's a perv. Just a normal dude. Fine yeah. pillows attractive. <laughs> and tortillas, apparently. Um confidence. Speaking of <laughs> some people are very confident. Um Obviously, we mentioned before how our drugs can, you know, potentially, depending on what drug it is, you know, uh, change your, your outlook for, for an athlete. But confidence in general, I've always found it fascinating. You look at, for example, Timo Werner right now at Chelsea, right? We saw him this week in, in, in the, the Champions League, a guy that we know he's got all the ability in the world. Um, he's so talented, but just hasn't got it together. So is it is it confidence? So, you know, Craig, what when you play football, was confidence to you? Was it something that was innate? Just, it just, you just had it naturally or did you need to work on it? Was it fragile for you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you had to work on it. It wasn't something that, uh, well, it wasn't something you could actually work on so much, but you got yourself in a, in a particular moment or a time when you were seeing things earlier than normal or you're just in a really good place and that could change. It could be slight, just something very slight, um, like a show, a shot that you might be struggling down low to your you know, on your left side, or something like that that could really throw you and and, and you know eat at you day and night um, for sure. Um, again, those things aren't quite as strong those emotions when you're older, um, but the confidence thing is uh, is a massive component to athletics. And you don't really know how certain people with the greatest of skills are going to have to deal with confidence and whether they're going to be able to be consistent. You can see football players on their day can, you know, in all four divisions can be probably good enough to play in the Premier League, but can you do it consistently on a, a day daily basis or on a weekly basis is another thing. Um, and if you got that confidence in, in yourself and your own ability uh, without it and that's a self-inspirational type of thing too you you won't get anywhere but as a goalkeeper i mean you could be in great form you could have f- tons of confidence but still lose a game 3-0 and then there's nothing you can do about those three goals would that affect you personally it, it would have done earlier in my career but the difference between certainly playing for fun and playing professionally uh, for fun, you just you just literally want your team to win, and that's it when you're a kid and whatnot. But for longevity as a professional footballer, you could win the game three to one and let a soft one in and do that on three consecutive games where you've let three goals in, you've won all three games. Your career is going to come to a grinding halt. You're not going to be part of this winning team. But if you lose three to nil, and you're not at fault, but you've actually played very well, and you've lost three games in a row, three nil. You're you're going to still get a new contract because you you know you're doing your job properly, or as well as the club want you to. It's different. Yeah, it's very different, isn't it? And and I guess for each for a striker, 
I mean, the term confidence gets uh, related to strikers more than any position, I think, because you are just kind of gauged on your numbers, fairly or not. That's what people look at. A center forward must be scoring goals or at least setting up goals. Was your fragile? Was your confidence fragile as a footballer, teacher? or was it pretty strong? I think as I, I matured and got older, it became a lot more fragile. And I was always a, a player that was very self-critical of myself, even in my younger days. I used to really kind of assess my games afterwards, whether it be in the car on the way home with my dad or just back on, on the bus or the train. I, I had that ingrained in me at a young, young age. And I always was one of those players that was would override the bad with the good. So even though I would have scored a good goal, I would have assisted someone, I would have always kind of picked at the, the, the kind of negative in my game. And it's, it's really strange because when we talk about confidence, it's the feeling of self-belief that you can either rely on someone or you can rely on someone else, that trust in or that trust in yourself, that belief, that faith. But for a striker, you have to be really clear-headed. When, when, when you talk about confident people, you can't be congested in your head. You have to have a clear head. And with strikers, I think that's where they really like falter is that they get these mixed feelings in their head. And I know Tim Werner's going through it at the moment. He's already picturing missing that chance before that chance comes. And I've been in that, that situation and it's a really difficult situation. He has a manager that believes in him, which is good. But at the end of the day, the only one that can get him out of this kind of, whatever you want to call it, this rut is, is himself. And we always use the old saying is, oh, one's going to come off your backside. One's going to come off your shin and then you're going to go on a roll. But that's not always the way guys. I, I can tell you for experience. Yeah. I was going to say, when you scored a goal off your backside, it probably didn't give you that much confidence, right? I never really understood that either. Like, oh, wow, that was a great goal off my ass. It was a fluke and you knew it, right? Of course. Of course, and and Craig will know. Like it, it's very similar for keepers as well. You, you've you've made a couple of mistakes, but then you pull off a really good save, and you think, "Oh, I'm going to be back back to normal now. I'm feeling good in myself." But bang, another one goes in from a corner kick, or he should have come for a cross, and he's got caught in no man's land. It's exactly the same as a striker as well. The only one that can put himself is back in that 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 kind of clear head. We call it that blue head feeling instead of that red head feeling is is himself and whether it's strategic thinking whether it's I, i've played with kevin phillips at sunderland who he used to watch all his goals on a videotape before every game they used to think why the fuck's he doing that but that that was what got him going that's what gives visualization him, right that visualization of just scoring from different angles different areas different body parts in, in scoring. And it was just different ways of, of players dealing with it. I remember we had a, a um, sports psychologist. I mean, Bobby Robson, when he just left Ipswich, he was further ahead than most uh, managers at that time. And Bobby Ferguson brought in a sports psychologist and you could see him individually if you wanted to. And I saw me and Frankie used to go see him quite a bit and it would be somewhat helpful. I felt uh, definitely didn't hurt, but he would do group therapies as well, where he laid everybody down on the floor or in the room and talk about positive things and feedback and visualization of scoring goals and visualizing yourself hitting a ball into the back of the net. And Trevor, Trevor Putney, 
great lad. Everybody's got their eyes shut, and he's like, fucking hell, I keep hitting the crossbar. I <laughs> 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 even visualize <laughs> Well, I can totally relate to Timo Werner right now because, you know, we both look like we should be so much better than we are, at least in other people's eyes. And I also think I've missed the shot. I can see myself missing the shot before I've even got the ball. So when I do get the ball. Hey, B, let me ask you this, B, I, I bet you've done this because I have numerous times, right? There's been those moments in my, my, uh, much, my, my sporting career, you know, dominated by mediocrity where something good's happened on the field, be it soccer or, you know, rugby, whatever. And it looks great. It was oh, that's fantastic, great, well done. But you know that it was a complete fluke. Yes. And like Christ, I can't believe that happened. Jesus, it looked amazing. But that I didn't mean to hit it that way. But it went the other way. It went top right. And you want to be happy, but you know deep down, fuck, I'm so lucky right now. And, and your confidence doesn't get helped at all by that. In fact, I found myself beginning to question myself even more. Well, that was Mara's yesterday in the Man City game when he hit the free <laughs> kick. He said he tried to go around the wall and mishit it. Right, right, yeah. But that's Mara's. At least he's got, you know, some center full back on. Like, generally speaking, he gets it right. Yeah. Well, Ditch, when you, the, about three weeks ago, QPR uh, has a great little Twitter feed and they put on Danny Dicchio scores a goal, but it was a deflection. But you kicked, you really hit the ball. It was like a, a rocket. And it was a little bit of a deflection. Did that feel like, did you feel dismayed a little bit because it was a deflection or because you hit it really well and it went in and it was a great goal either way? Were you happy? Like, how did that feel? Well, a goal was a goal for me. Like, I've scored deflected goals. I've scored, like, shitty goals where they're just literally from inside the six-yard box. But a goal is a goal. And uh, I Again, I go back to I was never one of those guys that I had to score in every game. I was really behind the behind the sense of that winning the game was the most important thing for for me and my team. And I was always that way to be quite honest. Since I was younger, um, I I loved winning. I'm a really bad loser, but if I scored, it was a bonus to me. If I, I actually enjoyed assisting goals as well. And I assisted a lot more goals than I actually scored. But again, I, I wasn't one of those guys. As long as the ball went in the back of the net, I, I really didn't care who scored. The only thing is, Deech, if you're not scoring goals, you're not going to be playing up front as a striker very long. True. But back in our days, Craig, like I was seen as the, the target man and you're kind of the setter, aren't you? You're the guy that's kind of laying things off and, and getting in the box for a couple of headers to either knock them back in or assist. So mm-hmm. it wasn't too much of a factor when I was playing in, in my prime. It was more of what what else does he bring to the team in being that, that center, that guy that we can play off of and get out of trouble by holding the ball up and, and taking a bit of pressure off of us. And if he can score a couple here and there, even better. Do you feel more pressure each when, uh, you know, you saw the game deviating away from 4-4-2s into different formations where you'd have perhaps that lone striker up top, a little bit different to perhaps how you came through. I, I did because I was mainly that guy that had to play up top by himself. And when you play in a four four two, and it's it's starting to kind of come back again now. You're seeing a lot more teams, especially when pressing in a four four two formation. But when we went to a, a, a guy up top, it was normally like a quicker guy or a mobile guy that could break in behind defenses. 
I wasn't that guy. So playing up top by myself, I was kind of being manhandled by two or three defenders. And if we were a direct team, which I, I used to play for a, a lot of teams that were direct, it was very easy for the opponents to try and, okay, we're not going to win the first ball, but we're going to win the second ball, even if he flicks it on, because no one's, no one's up there with him. Yeah, it's interesting how, how the game can change that way and change your out, complete outlook on on your careers as well. Um, for you, was, was it a touch that would set your confidence off to each, like one touch in a game, or would it have to be a several touches? Would you just have a feel that you know either it's there or it's not there? Well, I, I had a couple of good coaches when I was younger, and, and some of the key kind of information and messages that they would say was your first touch is the most important touch in the game because it sets you for the game as well. So whether you're connecting with that first pass, that first touch, you know, getting it out in front of your feet. And that, that that kind of propelled me into the game to say, okay, I'm going to have a good game today because my first touch is on, I connected with the first pass or I flicked on the first ball to uh, my teammate. If I had a shit first touch or a bad giveaway with my first touch of the game, then I was already behind the, the, the eight ball and my confidence had been shot low. So that was a key thing for me. My first touch in the game had to be right. And, and that stems from teaching when I was younger from a lot of my coaches. Hey, Craig, you're around a lot of big personalities of the teams you play for. Was there anyone that stood out to you as a guy that never had a lack of confidence, no matter what, no matter how it went, he just had that self-belief or, or vice versa? Well, yeah, and then you had also guys with an incredible belief, and you can't believe how they'd have all that belief because they're crap. <laughs> they're the worst ones, right? Are they? Yeah, they're the worst. Go ahead, name <laughs> name me. I know you're thinking about me. Go ahead, name me. <laughs> Another ones you mean though, because any any level of sport, you get those guys, right? They they come out and they look great, and they think they are the bee's knees. They think they're the shit, and then you realize they are actually just shit. <laughs> it's like doesn't someone talk to them and say listen you're not that good it's like watching american idol right in the early rounds and, and the, the terrible ones come out who actually think they're good because they've been you know lied to by their parents and their friends their whole lives and then when they actually get in front of an arsehole like simon cowell and the reality hits they can't take it yeah they're delusional they're delusional but when the sports psychologist told me, look, just put the socks over your knees and you can be the great <laughs> person you tell yourself, the constant self-affirmation and visualization, can you, you know? See, of course I was the only guy in the history of Drywall United to have a personal shrink, sport shrink, working with him before game days and Sunday mornings. Can we, can we copy <laughs> that name? Like the Don Lopez? Like there's a Don Lopez in every team. So can we... It's got Don Lopez? Yeah, okay. Let's, let's coin that phrase. Make, the Don Lopez. I like that. I like that. It's about time I contribute to the football. No, in fairness to B, though, I, I played with B a number of times, and he is the most he is the most self-loathing person on the team. Really? He is. Yeah, you are. And you're not, you're not as bad as you think you are, but oh. you'll come out there saying, God, I suck. I'm going to be <laughs> shit today. <laughs> you were, yeah, I do definitely feel like that. You were talking about being on the pitch and you know a moment what, that really goes your your way, and you think you can do anything, or or vice versa. And I remember playing against you in a charity game, and it was at uh, TFC's training ground, and we were on opposite corporate sides. It was I was for some bank, and you were with some other company. It was one of those corporate charity things, and you had put the gloves on. You were playing in net, that, yeah. and I had this great two on one. 
and it was like a rare breakaway, the first one in my life, I think. And it was uh, so, yeah, two and zero. Oh, and uh, I, you stopped me. You just got a piece of it. You were lucky enough to hit your elbow or something, and it went over. Then we'd scored another goal, and I thought I'm going to chip Charmin from half. Yeah, from the halfway line. I remember and that I, so well. I, you had to put it over, right? You, you. Yeah, I think I you did. touched it or just hit the top of the bar, but you touched it anyway. I, after that, I felt like I could do anything. I don't think I scored again for three years. <laughs> it's true. I remember he's not going to, is he? He's going to try and chip me from the halfway line. <laughs> the audacity of it i nearly did it it would have been a sporting miracle i would have retired you know it's funny a similar theme there is your mate dero of course you you've co-authored his book coming out next week now dero great player we know that but i've got a very good friend joe ross you guys know him uh you know him very well there b big tfc fan season ticket holder and he'd, he'd say during the dero era he'd say man we'd always watch and there's hope that dero didn't beat anyone in his first touch because if he did He'd be trying to beat everyone throughout the entire match. He has so much confidence. He believed in himself so much. And obviously, it wouldn't happen all the time. So, oh, Christ, Dero did something really well in the opening minute. Watch out now, guys. It's a one-man team. Uh, you did mention that. And yes, guys, I have a reveal for you as I hold up. Oh, look at that. Copy of Dero. Please hold it That's up. I'm going to take a picture. Dero, my listening? life, with my, next to my face. Yes, for those listening, take take the photo, Wonger. Dero, uh, my life, by Dwayne Di Rosario. Does Dero listen to, to our podcast? Uh, he's going to. He, he'll happily be on our podcast. He's going to be on our podcast. Po- yeah, because he listened to it. Does he promote our podcast? I want to think that he listens to everything okay. that we do. Yes, <laughs> there's no chance. Yes. Just, just like I went and watched every single game that was available on YouTube. Um, and one of those games, Denny, uh, there was a prominent moment with you, a, a great exchange that really stood out, talking about confidence and, and the miracle in Montreal. I, I think you assisted a couple of goals in that game, if I'm not mistaken. That was that was the six two game, was it? Or that that was the yeah, how, whatever the final score was. But you overcame an insane deficit, six six one, I think it may have been. Yeah to prevent Vancouver from, from lifting the Voyagers cup. Uh, they, in that the three team league that it was Vancouver yeah. had flown in to collect the trophy because they thought there was no way you were of overcoming your deficit. And so early on in that match, I think we either Toronto had scored one already. Uh, D-Row was well off on the wings at such a bizarre spot. And he could see you making this run. He hit this 40 yard cross you sprinted and you, you leap for it. You extended as, as far as you could. And it just missed the top of your head. And you look at Dwayne, with this, like, I'm, I, I should have had that. I, I wanted that as bad as you wanted me to have that. I'll get the next one. And after that, I feel as though I, I feel as though I remember you being part of the next goal and you could just tell like you, that was, that was bothering you. You really, really wanted that. I could see that through the screen. Yeah. I actually remember from that game that I should have had two goals at least. And I was really disappointed missing that header. And I had a shot that was that I would nine out of 10 times put away and I was fucking devastated afterwards because I really thought we could get something out of that game. And uh, they scored first, actually, Montreal. Right. No, they scored first. They were, took the lead by a lot more on aggregate. I just felt there was something in that changing room that day, and, and D-Roll was a big part of it, and some of the other guys, Chad Barrett was up top that day as well. Chad Sharon. We just had a big belief, like, and talk about confidence. We were just – it wasn't – anything that had been trained or worked on that week. We just thought we're going into our newly crowned arch rivals in Montreal. We've all been kind of thrown to the side to say, you guys have got no chance. And we wanted to prove someone wrong. And it was actually a really entertaining game to play. So you, you smashed your arch rivals in one of the most iconic games in TSC history. 
And there you are in the room at the end with your head in your hands saying, fuck, I should have scored two goals. <laughs> You're that guy. You no, 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 I wasn't that guy because I got brought off probably around 15 minutes to go. And we, we scored our the last goal, which I think puts through, no, the last two goals. I think Guevara scored a free kick or something as well. And, and that, he did. And I remember doing kind of the forward, forward roly poly off of the bench and nearly breaking my neck. It would be great to it would be great to know what that score was. I wish there was some way we could find like this out. Database. Yeah, like something like called the interest step or <laughs> okay. Something. So you're a good producer. Clearly, you've done this while we've been bantering about it and telling old memories of uh, our lives. I, I drank the rest of my wine. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's, it's somebody, I can't keep track of the TFC. Was that the Carver era? No, that was, was Cummins. Cummins, yeah. It was Cummins. Was Dwayne's, Dwayne's first season. Okay, it was Cummins. Right, right. Gotcha. There's so many managers. It got me thinking, actually, about managers and who would we be in the current Premier League as managers, right? Who represents who we are? So I'll, I'll give you some examples first, right? I, I did three of you guys who I think you are in the modern-day Premier League, right? So Dunlop, I think you're a Scott Parker. Ooh, because you, you'd agonize over selection, but it's your wardrobe selection, not so much the actual you know, <laughs> players in the field and tactics. Because Parker always looks great on the sidelines. Uh, Deech, you're, you're a Zizou because you, you're a thinking man's footballer and you're bald. That's the only comparison I could really think of there. And Craig, you're a Sean Deitch because you're you know you're, you're humorous and approachable, but you've got that fiery side to you as well. You know that you don't show too often, but you can. That, that's my 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 comparisons. Who I think you guys are as football managers. Do you have any suggestions yourself? That's pretty good. It's not bad, right? Yeah, I would say that would be a pretty good comparison. Because you were fiery, people don't know you well enough. They, you know, I, I I just when I think of you in Canada, I think of you screaming at people for some reason. Forget the the big saves and the goal cup, you know, and your Ipswich. I think of you screaming at your defenders for some reason. Well, that's it. I didn't scream at my defenders that much. You got a, a, a very angry look to you, though. You had an angry look. When you yell, you look angry. Well, you're thinking of probably the that one close-up shot of the goal cup when I saved the penalty, but that was more from, like, I can only hold on to the ball for six seconds, <laughs> and everybody's standing around celebrating me for saving the penalty. It wasn't a penalty shootout, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> what are you doing? Don't fuck this up, guys. I was basically old enough to realize that 10 minutes in football can change everything. <laughs> Oh, you yeah. know, and just think if, if not for that, you wouldn't have had a career at Sportsnet, you wouldn't have a podcast. It was all about the Gold Cup. There you go. <laughs> I, I, I've got some guys. If if Craig was uh, the manager, I would say he'd be David Moyes because I think he's like a more pragmatic kind of approach. He's a wise, kind of older thinking guy. He doesn't lose his temper too much. He kind of listens to what people say. But I think if he was in the locker room, he could lose his shit with a group of us. So I think he would be Moisey. I would have Dunlop as Kike, Kiki Sanchez Flores, old <laughs> Watford uh, coach, because he looks very similar to him and he jumps from club to club from... Uh, nice. There you go. I'll take that. And then Shams, I think you would be uh, Heckingbottom at Sheffield United, who's just coming <laughs> to replace Chris Wilder. Danny Higginbottom. No, Paul Higginbottom. He used to be, he used to be a, a, a teammate of mine at Sunderland. He was a younger guy. Great guy, by the way. And he's a... Oh, that's why. That's why it's me. 
yeah, yeah. Great guy. That's the only reason. Very, very down to earth, loves his pies and his beers. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's just is, 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 is he fat? I, can't, I don't know. Is, is, he, is this guy fat? No, no, no. He's not. He's just big boned. <laughs> never, seen a, never seen a fat skeleton put it that way <laughs> i had said that Sharma. i'd written down that Sharma was oh, chris wilder but having seen paulo fonseca lead roma out against manchester united clearly paulo fonseca is a combination of Sharman and me that's what i thought <laughs> saw that post on twitter today yeah i saw like that. chris wilder why chris wilder uh probably the pies and just being like the real man's man as opposed to you know someone you want to have a beer with someone that i think uh doesn't get to Drunk on the pomp and circumstance, uh, so a real man. Fat and unsophisticated is what you're saying. No, no, big, big yeah. boned with a great personality, Sharps. Great personality. <laughs> I'll take People want to date it. you. People would like to date you. We should do a charity auction when we're safe to do so again. Maybe we'll do a charity auction and see who r- rings up the most money. I bet you it's Charmin. Dudes love Charmin. I gotta bring. I gotta bring a whole group of artsy girls, women who love literature. I, I, I happily will go. That's where I'll be the bachelor. <laughs> uh, I'd written down for myself that I would be Phil Brown because I would like get the big time job and then I would do something to screw it up, like you know, gather everyone out on the pitch and yell at them at halftime and then just totally lose it. That would be. <laughs> that would be me. Could be you, yeah. Phil Brown is there a more English name than Phil Brown? Just one of my biggest episode. one of my biggest accomplishments at hosting and producing Hardcore Soccer Talk with you at the score was landing Phil Brown like the morning right. of our sh- Monday show. He was brilliant and too. He was fantastic. Yeah, he was. Remember, it was around the same time he'd saved a woman from jumping off a bridge. You remember that want, story? I think he regaled the story to us, didn't he? I think he didn't want to. He certainly didn't want to take all the credit, but yeah. it was in all the national papers. It was yeah. it was wild. They, he was, I believe, he was out with the team as well. I think they were out for a, a run, or he was out with some members of the team, and he'd seen this woman on this bridge that was about to commit suicide. He went over and he chatted her up for about twenty minutes and talked her off. Wow! Look at that. Big Sam's ex assistant Phil Brown. Where's he now? Is he still? He's, he's in the yeah, game South still. Now they just got relegated at South End. Oh, yeah. So he's not doing too great. Then. He had his moment in the sun, so to speak. Preston after those days at Hall? He was at Preston. He was at Hall for a bit. But he's, he's he made his name as, as Big Sam's assistant at Bolton when they had all the, the the big hitters there from back in the day when they were in the UEFA, Europa, what it's called now. Right, right. Good team. Craig, you got any uh, suggestions? For what? For uh, managers who we remind you of, um, no, Marek, thanks. I, I got one for Wonger. <laughs> Wong, Wonger would definitely be Gennaro Gattuso, someone who just like yells so much that you like you don't really ask any you know redeeming questions of because you're just like oh okay uh, he, he he must know just he just yells it it makes you think that he knows everything every formation every scenario that would be Wonger, especially, especially for football. <laughs> I thought he would be more concessal at Porto. Uh, Danny? Why? Huh? Why would Wanga be Sergio Concessao at Porto? Just because he likes to wind everyone up and doesn't <laughs> shut up. He's also sipping a, a bottle of Duru as as we speak. Was that a big bottle of Portuguese red there, Wanga? No. We got to get you on the good stuff. Uh, Negromado. It's a good Italian wine from uh, so our boy Dicchio gets repped. It's not from the vintage section, is it? Uh, no, I actually I, t- I texted someone and said, send me uh, a list of the best LCBO wines under 10 bucks. The wine, uh, Super Wine Girl. 
Yeah, so I just oh, bought yeah, she's, some. Ange, she's fantastic. Ange, yeah, fantastic. Good Italian I'm also going to text... I'm going to text you some of these right now, Wonger. Sharman, please continue with the program. <laughs> are, they, are they all Portuguese wines? There's a few Portuguese wines. There's one with a singing woman, Julia Florista. No plug, but if, if I find out who's distributed here in Canada, we can get that. She's $8.99, and it's the best bottle of wine you'll buy for under 20 bucks. What is the main Ooh. booze for footballers? I know not that many drink heavily anymore, sadly. But what is the... It used to be beer, of course. But what about now? I mean... uh what is the, the 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 booze of choice? Is it a vodka soda because it's so few calories? What is it? Wine. Is why is it wine? Yeah. Yeah. Why is that? <clears throat> because they're just going out for a little social. They don't uh, they don't go out and get plastered and puke on the way home like we used to. There must be some <laughs> that do that surely nowadays. I like to think old school footballers like to get hammered on the weekends after a match. It's got to it's got to be gin and tonic and vodka sodas, right? That's well, I know that they like to collect wine now, right? Footballers too. It's quite the hobby. Mm. Rich people. Concerts. Yeah. Broadcasters. Craiger used to, uh, he doesn't do much anymore, but it was the Jaeger bombs for a while. Craig, we were doing Red Bull and vodkas. Oh. Just dirty, dirty drinks. <laughs> I could use one of those right now. <laughs> you could. Well, I'm looking over your shoulder in your kitchen cabinets and they're all empty. <laughs> so there's not much in there. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's got a bunch of pies in the freezer though i'm gonna say i feel bad for you i'm gonna send some pies over craig maybe for christ's sakes man we get some food in your house i know those his kitchen cabinets i didn't, didn't read yeah. i see you a have mug to, you have to send over nanny mcphee to craig's <laughs> i see one mug and one plate that, oh that's so tragic <laughs> what are you expecting to get traded or something are you, you're not filling yeah. the place up i got one plate one cup it's easy that way. Less to wash up. For less to wash up. Well, uh, that's it. My di- my dishwasher's full. I need to empty it. <laughs> oh, and, and who has time for that nowadays, eh? Yeah, no, uh, I fellas, I, f- I forgot to tell you about uh, right before we trade Craig to Footy Talks, we're the number 20, 20th of all time Canadian football soccer podcast. So how about that? Well, there's only been 22, so uh, we still no, there's No, no, there's there's thousands of footy podcasts because it's about ranking them in the full order. So our competition isn't other Canadian podcasts. It's, it's all, all of the podcasts. That's all right. Of of, of people yeah. who download podcasts in Canada. So we're number 20 right uh, now. Thank you. I have a cool story. I want to shout out one of our newest listeners, Darren, who's in England. Uh, he's a big gooner. Uh, he's a TikTok fan of ours. Found him on TikTok. He's a big TikTok star. He's also the same age as Wonger, and you would uh, you would never know it, but he's a great TikTok uh, TikTok star. You should check him out, Darren. He's so a thanks TikTok for star. So this like he's is... got like hundreds of thousands of uh, TikTokers following. He's got quite a few thousand. Right. Yeah, he's got quite a few thousand. But yeah. His name's Darren. His name is Darren. Hey, Darren. We, we are the first podcast that he's ever listened to. I've really? never listened to a podcast before finding ours. And he's a gooner, is he? He's a gooner. Wow. Well, welcome, Darren. Please um, re-TikTok us. Whatever you do, TikTok. <laughs> Keep listening. Yeah. It's, uh, it's like, really, comment, share, and can subscribe. You re- can you re-TikTok? It's not the same way. You can stitch. That's one thing. If we, if we, did, if we did a few seconds, you could stitch it. So, for example, if you said, hey, Who's the greatest footballer? I would stitch it and then give my answer. Oh, okay. Vicky or Craig Forrest. I see. Well, Charms. So Charms. 
Yeah. Windows 95 yeah. is coming out. I think you got to upgrade your OS. Yeah, my, I've got my Netscape rocking right now. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It was like you and your Blackberry. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah. You're like, go. what are you doing? You and Doug Ford are the only guys walking around with Blackberries, Wonger. I've got an iPhone 6. It puts me to shame. The battery life is about four minutes. Craig's always giving me shit. He's like, just buy a new one. And I'm holding oh, on the, to there, it. There's the popcorn, the kettle black. Hey, Craig. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Longest just time. Empty, <laughs> empty cupboards. Craig <laughs> could have got a, a new iPhone every two years at Sportsnet. He had the same one from about 15 years ago. <laughs> yeah, luckily, just before I left, I got a new one. That's right, yeah, yeah. Um, back to Arsenal, Deitch. So um, Daniel Ek, who is the, the founder or the co-founder of Spotify, a billionaire, is interested in purchasing Arsenal uh, with Thierry Henry, Patrick Vieira, and Dennis Bergkamp kind of fronting the deal. Now, at the moment, the Cronkies are saying, we're not going to sell. But is this the first example, do you think, of since some pressure coming out of the, the Super League failure that the, these billionaires are now popping up as maybe alternatives? Yes, um, I hope it materializes, but uh, I think Craig will allude to it even more that the Cronkies are not going to sell. They they don't want to sell unless some ridiculous offer comes in. I think unless there's more peer pressure, fan pressure, then Arsenal are stuck with these guys for the long the long haul. Um, I would love for someone like a fan of Arsenal, plus bringing two or three legends in, even Arsene Wenger has, has, has thrown his name into the hat to be a support as well. But I just don't think it's going to happen, Craig. I don't think these guys are sensible enough or just understanding of football to get out of it with their towels between their legs and after getting absolutely killed on social media or wherever it is with this super league fiasco. I, I don't I think, just, I don't, don't think Cronky cares, Dan. He, uh, I mean, yeah. he moves St. Louis Rams just to Los Angeles. He doesn't care about people slaughtering him. He, he's, he's nowhere to be seen around Arsenal football club. I don't think they're motivated like just to sell. Um, and you're right. Unless they actually get a massive offer, that's not going to happen. He's going to keep control of that club for the time being. There you have it. Sorry, Daniel Eck. Find yourself another team. Lifelong, lifelong Arsenal fan, apparently. He's Swedish. Is that what he is? I think he's Swedish. Yeah. Maybe. So where's the Arsenal connection? Free Lundberg is a... Yeah, I think he just grew up supporting them when he was younger. That's that's by all accounts. I was reading the story the other day. He loved... uh... Over Mars, Freddie Lumbag, Dennis Bergkamp, that, that kind of era. Right, I have right. to explain my Aston Villa fandom all the time. And when I got to explain it on Twitter to Dion Dublin, who is the reason I like Aston Villa, that was the peak football fan moment for me. That is pretty cool. Yeah. So he actually responded to you, did he? After all those so, tweets. Him. Someone had tagged him. Uh, someone had tagged him, like kind of telling the story, and, and he'd replied to it, like, and then I replied to him. Who the fuck is Brendan Dunlop? He keeps tweeting me, been years now. Fucking hell, I may as well just respond to him, get him out of my hair. Yeah. Well, I, I, I did have to lie and say, look, I have a house that needs renovating. Would you have come have a look? And so that, that piqued his interest. <laughs> That's, That's right. what he does now. Um, guys, uh, we're getting set now for part three as we're running out of time on the window here. Uh, so let's take a quick break and then we come back. We'll get to our, to our footy picks to close off the show. Welcome back to part three of Footy Prime, the podcast. All the good stuff happens during the break. If you just heard what they're discussing, not 
10 seconds ago, you'd be horrified. But that is what we call the Fully Prime Dark Web. To the mainstream web here, and it's time for uh, Fully Picks. After you, DJ. He's not doing anything. I'll cut Just... something and put it in. All oh, right, I'll take one go. of his old right. ones. Tonight, 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 right. tonight, tonight, tonight. <laughs> the best part about getting back into the actual garage properly, whenever this damn nonsense ends, would be hearing Deech and Wonga live serenading our earbuds with uh, the Footy Picks theme song. But alas, we're not doing it over Zoom. So let's get straight to the pick, shall we? Four this week, four picks. We thought we stretched it out a little bit. Um, up top, Newcastle taking on Arsenal. Now, obviously on paper, look at the table, Arsenal are the favourites, but should they be? That is a question, Deech. Ooh, it's a tough one. And it's at, it's at St. James's Park? That's right. So this game's got to be played on Sunday or Monday because Arsenal play today. So <sighs> They lost today, by the way. Lost 2-1 to VRL. Yeah, I watched that game. They were very poor in the first half. Sabella got sent off. In the second, Villarreal was very good. They could have went 3-0 up, and I think that would have been game over. But Saka got a penalty kick, and uh, Pepe put it away. It gives them a little bit of life for the second leg. But Arsenal just not impressing me at the moment. Just I don't know what it is about them. It was very, very interesting seeing Emery, Mr. Good Evening, <laughs> on the bench tonight for uh, Villarreal. But uh, they're missing guys. They're missing Lacazette. They're missing Aubameyang came on for the last eight minutes and they still don't look like they're going to score any goals. So Newcastle pulled a couple of upsets in the last couple of weeks. Draw, 1-1. By the way, last week's uh, draw, I think Craig called 1-1. Liverpool, Newcastle, didn't you? Did he? Yeah. yeah. Good yeah. on you. Nailed it. Craig's been really Crazy good. Game that yeah, luck has run out, though. I, I think they're going to be a bit fortunate. And uh, I'm going to say Arsenal are going to squeak it. 1-0. One 1-0. Nil. One nil. Hey, does Oteta make it to next season? Not yes. If not if he doesn't win the Euros. The Europa, sorry. Oh, yeah, you think so? He's going to win that? He's going to win a trophy? Arsenal fans are not happy. They're not happy with him. They're not happy with the style of play. But who, who are you going to go and get? Daniel Ek can get whoever he wants. Mm. He's a billionaire. But it's true, though. I mean, what is Arsenal now? They're still a team with a huge potential from a commercial standpoint, but they're an absolute disgrace in the pitch. Complete mess. Do you feel like Kroenke would start trolling the fans? Like, you say who they would get. They would sack Arteta and they would, hire, they would try to hire uh, Ryan Mason just to troll their own fans. <laughs> just troll the fans. Dude, that's not unheard of. You, you heard about uh, the guys in basketball and the Knicks. If you say anything bad about Dolan, I know I'm bringing different sports, they'll kick you out of the stadium. They Like Spike Lee was walked around. This is, if these guys are arguing against certain things, don't, it, no one wants to go up against a billionaire. They'll walk you right out. Hey, listen, if I'm a billionaire owner and I spend hundreds of millions of my own money on this football team or basketball team, I'm going to be a freaking dictator as well in that stadium. That's my house. You don't like me? Get out. I'm I'm sure that the Cronkies have someone, you know, listening to every mention of their name over the internet. And uh, Craig Force will never be allowed in the Emirates after calling him Snuffleupagus. No NFL games, no Premier League games in the future for you. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> Cronky can't touch us. 
Your Twitter yeah. feed was going crazy, Craiger. Literally, yeah. you were losing your shizzle last week. I know. Somebody said, "Why didn't you have a go at your old club, Chelsea?" I said, "No, I just ran. I was just, I just ran out of rage. I didn't." <laughs> well, the uh, European Super League teams actually had a terrible week, didn't they? Domestically, big Amazing. hangover, big hangover, and not too many tears were shed. Uh, B, um, have you given us your your scoreline for Arsenal Newcastle? I'll go Newcastle to Arsenal one. Okay. Uh, next up, uh, two clubs who are very much the people's clubs, Everton and Aston Villa, an interesting one here. Uh, B, let's start with you. Is your boy is Villa. Yeah, Villa's been lifeless without Jack Grealish, to be honest. And Everton are nothing like the team that were in the top four for the first month and a half of the season and lighting the world alight. So this one, I think, will be a bore for the neutral, but enthralling for fans of Everton and Aston Villa. So me and Roger Bennett will be tweeting constantly, and it's going to end nil-nil. Wow, Craig. Um, one nil Everton. One nil Everton. Okay, a low scoring affair so far. Deech, do you concur? Two one Villa. Get in, Deech. Two one Villa. God, imagine if you had played for Villa. I've thought about this a lot. You know, it would have been amazing. It would have erased any thought of of Peter Crouch because there haven't haven't been too many giant front men. No, there was, there was that, you... that Serbian guy. Uh, he's about six foot eight. It was that again. Remember he played for Villa for one season. Kovac or something like that. Yeah, yeah, Libor Kovac. Uh, no, Libor Libor Kozak. Was it Vidic? Villa, Villa had Ian Ormondroid. Oh, jeez, yeah, he was huge. He was like Rodney out of Only Fools and Horses. But... <laughs> <laughs> he was even taller, but no, they had a couple of big strikers. Dion Dublin, big target man. Well, Peter Crouch was there for a bit, wasn't he? Yeah. Crouch was there for a bit. So. Okay, let's Crouchy. be honest. Let's be honest. If Ditch, if Danny played for Aston Villa, our boy Brendan Dunlop would be sleeping on his porch. <laughs> He'd be like... You really played for them? Are you sure? It'd be tweeting him more than Dean Dublin. Think about that. Right, right. <laughs> Continuously. Constantly. Constantly. Actually, these would look good in Villa colors, wouldn't they? Actually, I think so. Blue. Claire, Claire yeah. and blue. But I, I, I picture Deech more. Deech would want to wear, wear the away strip, like a white with claret stripes, a blue collar. You'd wear that to the club, Deech? I couldn't, guys. Sorry, I played for the Albion, which is the other team in Burton. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, wouldn't go How many Baggies well. fans listen to this podcast? You can be honest with the people that are closest to you. Come on. No, I, the, the Baggies were my team in Birmingham. <laughs> boing, boing. All right, next up, Manchester United, Liverpool. Ooh. How about your Liverpool? Jesus, man. This, like you said last week, Deitch, there's something wrong with that team. And I mean, listen, they're not playing horribly. They just have zero finish in front of goal at the moment. I mean, last week against Newcastle, it should have been 4 or 5 1, right? Yeah. And then how about that Newcastle goal was disallowed? It was like, oh, boy. Yeah. I think I tweeted that my, my morning was almost shit on. And then literally a minute later, my morning was shit on. Yeah, exactly. It was something else. Good for them, though. No, it isn't good for them. Fuck them. Oh, Liverpool are screwed. Yeah, they um, are. I can't see them finishing top four now. Do you Ooh. think Liverpool? Do you think Liverpool trade one of the big front three, or do you think they go for a big striker this summer? They need a big striker for sure. I think one of the three is going to leave, and it sounds like it's Salah. And it is that moment, right, with, with his, his contract status. He's twenty nine, so if you're going to re up him, you should do it now. 
Yeah. Um, otherwise, you wait two years and, and you're in kind of the same point as Arsenal with Aubameyang, and it hasn't worked out right. A guy who's older, so you got to cut the chafe loose. And I hate to call Mo Salah chafe because he's still incredible as he's showing once again this year with 20, 20 goals, 21 goals. Yeah. Yeah. Score again. But you have to cut loose at some point and move forward. Right. And you can get a lot of money for him right now. So Salah, I, I, I think they'll, sorry, what's that? Longer? Sorry. Salah makes me feel bad when he takes his shirt off after scoring just as a man. I'm like, this well, is wrong. Dude. Because he, you look at him, the big hair, he doesn't look like he should be. No. You know, and then he's like, ripped it. I'm like, I know, it's like Oh come God. Jesus. What are we doing in our lives? That's any, any footballer, though, isn't it? Let's be honest. Like, keep your shirt on just for people like me. Yeah, make us feel good, Charm. I know. Exactly. We, we hate ourselves already enough, as it is. Thank you. We don't need to be Saturday morning seeing, oh, eight packs running around the field. If you're uncomfortable. As opposed, with- as opposed to littering my, my front room's floor. Wonger, if you're uncomfortable with seeing how Mohamed Salah looks with his shirt off, do not look up Adebaya Akinfenwa and see, because on the pitch, he looks like a kind of a fat man, but he is a swole, you know, NFL tight end uh, with the weight of alignment. Uh, Giant, giant man. And uh, now a a goal scorer in the league championship for Wickham Wanderers. Jesus. I remember that guy. That's the guy who, we 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 talked about him. Did we? Beast mode. Yeah, beast mode. Qu- Who is the best qu- physique growing? Uh, Craig, Craig, where's Craig going? He's buggered off. He's gone to put the dishes away out of the dishwasher. <laughs> oh my god! Right, Deesh, let's go, you Deesh. Who are the best physique? The one you respected the most as a footballer when you played? One guy went, holy crap! That guy's freaking just cut. But there was a couple of guys like that were ripped, and I think Collins was one. He played at. I think he played at Dortmund. He played at Fulham for a bit. John Collins. Yeah, but he had like a ridiculous diet as well. So he would eat. Certain foods, he would eat pasta with no sauce. He would never go out for a Chinese takeaway. He wouldn't drink any alcohol. Racist. He, he was ripped. He was ripped as anything, but he was weak as shit. Really? So all these guys were like cut, ripped, everything. But when you come to, onto a field in like a combat or a 1v1, they were just weak as piss. So That's true, isn't it? We call it, I just call it gym fit, right? Guys who are really fit because they're at the gym. You know, lifting weights, but when it came to playing a sport, they were useless. I love bar those guys. Like, ah. What's that? Bar stars. Yeah, bar stars. Exactly. They, yeah, they look precisely. great at the bar, but they're absolutely shit out on the field of the court. Yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll take either or personally. Right, <laughs> 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 well, you, Craig, was the one dude that you know, teammate or someone that you thought, holy crap, this guy is just ridiculously in shape. Uh, Puts me to shame. Julian Ackerson comes to mind. He was, yeah, now, just an athlete, natural athlete. Yes, and strong in every way. Mm-hmm. That reminds me, Kevin Durant, the NBA guys, you know, bench pressing 185 pounds. Kevin Durant couldn't do one. Really? Oh, yeah. All star and really? a Hall of Famer. But you look at his levers and how long they are, right? It's a completely different thing than having short arms doing it. That is true, right? Especially the, the powerlifting of that, those long, thin arms. Oh, yeah. He had pretty Seven weak foot. Achilles. Tendons too, didn't he? <laughs> Seven foot wingspan, but yes, weak Achilles tendons, what's resulted in a Toronto Raptors NBA championship. So that's right. Most exactly. of our listeners will be quite happy with that. Well, the, and the Olympics uh, have a lot of Belarusian uh, weightlifters. <laughs> the five foot two, their arms are about this long. Yeah, like, yep. that makes sense. Oh, over my head, and it's hitting the top of their head. Yeah, male, might be female. We don't know. They have nubs. 
back yep. to your back to your uh you know 20 percent of the olympic athletes would would say no 80 percent would say yes to the gold medal yeah for sure take as many drugs as you want jack me up i want that gold around my neck oh yeah back to this game man you liverpool <laughs> great <laughs> man you liverpool liverpool 2-1 all right Ooh. b really oh. on current form i'm surprised really I like um i would go with united 2-1 mm-hmm. all right these did you give us your score i forget now no but i think this is an end of season game both teams kind of know where they're going to be. I really don't think Liverpool are going to drop into that Champions League spot now. United have got second place kind of lined up along with Leicester who are fighting. I think this is going to be a really boring game, guys. Nil-nil. All right. Finally, speaking of boring games, Burnley-West Ham. <laughs> the the Clara and Blue Derby. Big game for West Ham now, right? I mean, it's enormous, and they should win this thing. But Burnley, you know, surprised uh, most last week with a virtuoso performance. So, yeah. it's coming down to it. West Ham, who have injury issues. We know that. They continued, right? But they have to win this game. Is that West Ham? Yeah, uh, At Burnley, I believe. Yeah, Burnley. <sighs> One-nil hammers. Two-nil hammers. 2-1 Burnley. Come on! <laughs> he won't get on the bus, Craig. He just won't get on the bus. The question should be asked, though, do these games actually happen this weekend if there's a social media blackout, which there will be courtesy the Premier League teams to, to combat racism and hate across social media? Taking a stand, it's something, I suppose. We'll see if it has any effect, but uh, I, uh, I applaud the, the idea behind it. Um, less pressure for the players? This weekend? Yeah, if you're going to play a crap game, you want to do it this weekend so you don't get slated on social media. I think it's a good I mean, I think it's a good idea to bring attention to it because it's definitely on the increase. It's uh, statistically speaking, I think it's like 40 racial hate on the social media is up like 42%. Uh, no surprise there. Um, and there are other sports joining in the two, apparently British cycling, English cricket, the Premier League, uh, of course, uh, Premier League rugby, and of course, don't forget, Long Lawn Tennis Association are also boycotting the LTA. Are they really? Mm-hmm. Do they have an issue with this? I mean, tennis fans generally are a little bit more cultured, shall we say, and intelligent than say football fans. I mean, is there? Do tennis players suffer hate? I know this is more than just is sport as a whole. I understand that, but do tennis players receive? Apparently hate? so. Apparently. Uh, yeah. The the problem in tennis is for the, coming to the women, the, yeah, the women players, yeah. and they're not exactly embracing the um, BIPOC female players who are superstars. Naomi Osaka gets a lot of a lot of hate, and she's uh, one of the best women's players in the world now. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. I guess taking a stand to some some capacity. Deej, I know you've got an idea, an idea about another angle, another way to, to combat this. But going on to what Craig said, I just don't think a social media blackout, whether it be for all the sports, the football league, is going to achieve. It's going to achieve absolutely nothing. For me, education is key in primary schools, uh, kindergarten, what you call it here, uh, junior schools, all the way up to high school. We don't do enough in the younger age groups 
um, and the younger generation to really try and push this through. I just, what what is a social media blackout gonna gonna achieve? Well, DJ, I think it really what they're doing is it's not so much by educating the individuals; it's about the social media companies doing more to police it. For sure, and and that's where. I feel they have to do more. So education in schools, but also the social media platforms. For me, you have to go to right back to the start where you're registering with a, a photo and kind of a passport ID. So you can't hide behind the name. You can't troll under a certain alias. And then you're, you're basically talking to anyone you can, spouting whatever you can, whether it be racial, whether it be homophobic, whatever it is. And you can just get away with it. But if they clear up with the social media platforms, they have the understanding that they can do it. They have the power behind it. They have the money where they can just rewind everything and say, okay, if you want to renew your account, this is how we're going to do things now. So they have the power to do that. But I just think this is the wrong way in, in, in trying to achieve something. I really do. I, I think that they, I don't, I don't mind it. I, honestly, I think it's a good idea because I think that these, they should be putting more pressure on them because Facebook and Twitter don't do enough. They're getting better. But the bottom line is if they have somebody policing it, one person is looking after 50,000 different accounts, things are getting missed all the time. And I don't think criminally it's uh, they're coming down hard enough. Although in, in England, I know that they will and have gone after individuals for, yeah, it's against the government too. They want the government to enforce these laws, these hate laws, you know, social hate laws as well. It's important. Um, I mean, I think you're right. It's about policing it. And I wonder if shutting down for one weekend will have the desired effect. It will at least raise the conversation, right? But if they said to Facebook, to Twitter, we're just not going to, like, forget one weekend, we're not going to open our accounts until something's done, that would force their hand. The trouble is, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, TikTok, they know that these clubs also need their social profiles. Yep. Right? It goes both ways, right? They need it. They gotta push their brands. Their brands now are more important than ever before. And this is their chance. So, you know, yes, we know what they should do, but these massive businesses understand that don't think you just leave us because you you need us as much as we need you. Yeah, it's absolutely right. You're you're bang on and uh they do know that and they there's also a really good side of social media that that connection to your players, your you know, your club and your fan base as well is is really good that's a really good thing about social media that has really changed the game in a positive way but the abuse it only takes one yeah. person out of a hundred on your list that's gonna but the, your day. The, you were gonna, you were gonna you were gonna talk about um what was your approach you you talked about like props to some of your some yeah. of your friends and stuff so i, I was thinking not not to go against what they're doing this weekend, but I was going to try and think about how we could celebrate certain prominent people of of black or Asian um, race that that really kind of lifted me when I was younger. That were mentors, whether it be as coaches, whether it be as players that I admire, whether it be as music artists. And I just think that's a different way where we can celebrate and show that for me, that the world is a whole mix of different people from different ethnic um, backgrounds. And 
that people that can just troll and say abusive things from the back of their computer or their phone, there's no room for you people because the world is bigger than you guys. And I was just thinking of a way, I'm not sure if I'm going to do it yet, but I would like to celebrate rather than try and just do a blackout period. And, and I've had friends of color that have been told to boycott Twitter. Why should a person of Asian background or, or black background boycott Twitter when they're, as Craig said, having conversation with fans or friends on the Twitter platform or Instagram platform, whatever it is, why should they have to stop? Yeah, that's a valid point, right? And I think, uh, like you, Craig mentioned it as well, there's the negativity, it's a vocal minority, obviously, but it's also a lot of greatness out there as well through social media. It does a lot of good things too. And, and, and be drowned out by this, this, this tiny group of, of haters, but we have to get rid of them somehow as well. And the great thing is, is Craig's thinking now. Where, where you don't get to see this behind his empty cupboards. There's a lot of thinking going on while he's vaping. Is that his thinking chair? <laughs> <laughs> it's Craig's thinking chair. Hey, look, look what I had for dinner. because I. Oh, he's got dude. a can of baked beans. beans. <laughs> 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 a can too. Oh, God. Did you put that on a slice of Wonder Bread and throw it back or what? I no margarine? I, I haven't got any plates. <laughs> Okay, so footy prime listeners, we have to do a plate finding purchase for Craig Forrest. Yeah, I think we're a Kickstarter account. Can we get a Kickstarter going? Craig's uh, Indiegogo. uh, Craig's Craig's Crockery. Indie Craiger. For those that are just listening, all of our new fans who have found us on TikTok, they're going to start a GoFundMe page for poor Craig Forrest. Yep. We're talking about things. They can't see this. They feel as though, God, he really needs our help. When I eat Charm's pies, I just eat them straight out of the... Don't even, doesn't even doesn't even cook them. They're frozen. <laughs> yeah, just put a little bit of HP on the top there, and yep, takes away the frozen taste. It's perfect. <laughs> All right, guys, listen. Uh, that's it's what almost ninety minutes, I think, as per usual. Ninety minutes is pretty average, I feel for us. We didn't it's, talk. We haven't talked about MLS or I know, com- I know. This, this is good. Well, I didn't even know it was happening this past. But well, Danny's travels too. Yeah, Danny's leaving soon. We're leaving uh, next. Was it next week? Next Saturday, yes, fellow. Next Saturday. Okay, so we'll speak to you before then. Yeah, at least hopefully during then as well. But uh, we'll, we'll be back on next Thursday. How many um, are going down, Deech? We're probably taking a squad of around twenty-three. Oh, I want to be one of them. Yeah. Would you really want to play for TFC two, Wanger? I would. I would go just to follow Danny. Me and Danny on the road in oh, yeah. in Arizona. I, Can you hire us, Deech? Can you hire one of us, Deech, in any capacity to join you on the road? And what would that position be? Well, if one of you can get like a Winnebago or like a mini camper van, because <laughs> I'm thinking about doing a little bit of a side job as well, um, as well as coaching football, because I'm in the middle of the desert in Arizona and I've been watching a lot of Breaking Bad lately as well. <laughs> You're talking about so the white camper van in the Winnebago. I thought you were watching Nomadland at the Oscars there, big Oscar winner, and you want to rent oh, out the Winnebago. That. Yeah, I want to watch Hey, that. listen, some of the MLS games this season so far, I'd rather be smoking meth. No, hey, hey, you, cannot, <laughs> you can't say that now. You can't say that now. Let me, let me shock you with a stat here. They're averaging 3.3 goals per game. Last weekend was 44 goals in 13 matches. 
40 like defensive battles you know me b yeah you're big you're all None of this that. open football nonsense <laughs> hey, Joe uh, Benito in my ass <laughs> i didn't get to bring it up when we were talking about confidence players but talk about a guy who's really found his confidence again in chicharito former hammer javier hernandez has bagged five goals in two games and after a horrendous season last year in, in a very you know difficult year for a lot of people but personally a very difficult year for him um it's great to see him succeeding for for greg vanny's galaxy Yes, and you can well, you can always judge a lot by the first two games. Well, that that and B got to put on his announcer voice. Did you guys notice that? Yeah, he literally went full announcer there. Did I? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. why I was melting. That's why it's, I was melting. Okay. It's the microphone. It's not it me. It All right, guys. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Um, everyone, be safe, and hopefully, soon enough, we'll be away from this horrible Zoom life and get back to where we should be in the garage, drinking. And smoking. I think you said that. Uh, I think you said that a year ago today. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I think you did too. It's been a rough week, man. Jesus, want to smash up. something? Oh, anyway, we'll be okay. We'll get through. Dougie to pull his figure out. Yeah. Please do. Dougie, not Dunny. He said Dougie. 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 Yeah. Oh, yeah. Gonna pull his finger out too. I have to tell you though, he looks rough. He's gained rough. about six hundred pounds. He's he's ashen. That guy has not been making a lot of good decisions. He must have COVID. He's looking allegedly. He's looking very Robbie. It's like being in a, in a, in a team that's going to be relegated from the opening whistle, opening kickoff <laughs> of the season. You know they're going down. He's probably going to fight at some point. He won't be rehired, but he, he's not going to quit because his ego is too big. Yeah, he's Norwich. He's, like, is what um, you're he's Sam Allardyce. No, because Sam, you know, Sam will actually make it work in the end. <laughs> It's amazing in the football world that really doesn't mean anything in the whole scheme of things. You get fired, you lose a few games, you get kicked out, you make a whole bunch of bad decisions as a politician. Yeah. Wow. So you you cost a few lives in the process. Yeah. You still get to see out your three times in a row and still being the coach. (laughs) You get to see out your four year contract, regardless of how how poor your team played. You're right. Maybe next time up, next Thursday, we'll see who who is Doug Ford in the world of football management. Think Ooh, about that. Derby hey, County, that season second. where they had 11 points. There's got to be an overweight <laughs> coach. Who's the most overweight coach? Overweight coach? Well, that's we got to start from there. Martin Yule. Apparently, he's the new guy at um. Dish was making fun of me earlier today. The big bone guy. Chris Wilder. Great personality. Great personality. Uh, you know who he is. He's the he, the old Mexico coach. What's his name? Oh, oh the slug. Love him. Absolutely. Love was him. he called the slug? Oh, I, it's on the tip of my tongue. He was always shouting. And like, no Google. Last time. Yeah, no he's, Googling. He's called the slug. It's Herrera. 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 Yep. Club America's old coach as well, yeah. <laughs> you know why Craig, Craig is nodding his head? Because he partied with him. <laughs> Probably. Like, yeah. Dog. yeah. He's Herrera. awesome. He just he made, me, he made me look skinny. Steve Bruce is pretty big. He is, but he's likable though. Right? Yeah. Everyone loves yeah. Steve Bruce. Well, we talk weren't about, talking about likability, were we? Well, just comparisons. <laughs> politics. <laughs> politics. Here, real, real quick one. You know how we often say that who would you like to have dinner with? Who would you like to have a drink with? Who would you like to be like caught next to at a bar? So you get, th- you know, you've gone up to the bar. You're all waiting. There's only one busy bartender. Who who do you want to be stood with? You get three people: Thomas Rongan, the Mexico Herrera, and Craig Forrest. That would be my quartet. Really, pretty good. 
You know what? I got to think about it. Well, next week, well, I will get Elena to sing a song. Next week, we'll we'll pick. Yeah, no, we've got, we've got two minutes left in this uh, this window here, so we better get out of here. Let's 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 reconvene next week, and we'll discuss that three people at a bar, and also Doug Ford as a football manager. All right, everyone, thank you so much for joining us. We're back again, same time, same place, next week with more shenanigans and nonsense. Until then, cheers for listening. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.